This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome. One last time, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Cagina is my technical producer. Ryan White is my live stream producer, and we are live streaming on my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel, Strange Planet. And this is, as you know, my final show. After more than 22 years on late night radio in Toronto, I'm saying so long, 13 wonderful years here at Zuma Radio, another nine at a couple of other radio stations up and down the dial. And I celebrated my 13th anniversary this past August 16th on Zoomer. And it just seemed like a good time to step away from this show. I'm not retiring. Far from it. Far from it. I'll still be, well, all over the place. I'm still hosting the Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM, Monday through Friday from 4 to 6. Check out the richardserrettshow.com. Brand new website, therichardsarachow.com, for more information on that show. It's not about UFOs or remote viewing or the paranormal. It's a total departure for me. Uh, and I'm still cranking out three episodes of my Strange Planet podcast every week. You can find the podcast on Spotify and TuneIn and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm still hosting guest hosting. Guest hosting. Coast to Coast AM several times per month. So I'm still very much involved in radio. I love the medium. I've spent most of my adult life in radio, and I plan on continuing in radio. But I also have a family. The wonderful Mighty Aphrodite and two two teenage twin sons, and I'd like to spend more time with them. And truth be told, you know, I have neglected a lot of friendships over the years. So... It'd be uh, nice, you know, to be able to connect with some some people that I haven't in many, many years. So before we get rolling, a couple of thank yous. And then I'm going to let you know what's happening over the next two hours on the uh, the final installment of this program. First of all, thanks to Moses Neimer here at Zoomer Radio. You know, Moses believed in me and stood by me when I'm sure it wasn't always popular or convenient to do so. 
Uh, but he's always been a maverick, as you know, and a pioneer in the field. And uh, Moses also executive produced my television show, The Conspiracy Show, which aired across Canada for four seasons on Vision TV. So thanks for a wonderful ride, Moses. And thanks to Paul Thomas and everyone here at Zoomer Media. And of course, thanks to Carlos Kajina and Ryan White. Uh, without these two gentlemen, it goes without saying I wouldn't be able to do this show. Thank you, guys. It's been uh, great working with you both. Thanks to Chris Whitting at Syndication Networks. Chris and Syndication Networks built a small network of affiliates for this program beginning way back in 2012. And at one point, I think we had close to 40 stations that carry this program across North America. And uh, thanks to all the affiliates and general managers and program directors and operation managers across the, the United States and Canada. And I'll be acknowledging a few affiliates at a time throughout the show. So I'll begin with uh, WGHTAM 1500 in uh, New York, WCKG 1530 AM in Chicago, WWWE 100 AM in Atlanta, WCAP 980 in Boston, and KKNW 1150 in Seattle. I'll work some more in a little bit later. Okay, so here's what I had in mind for tonight. I've, I've dipped into the audio vaults, and we're going to hear from some old friends, some still with us, some departed, some of my favorite interviews and guests over the years. And I'm also going to open up the phone lines, and you can ask me anything. Or maybe you just have a comment. And I'll take questions and comments from the YouTube live chat. And I've actually brought uh, my, my two boys with me tonight for the, uh, for the Fare Thee Well, North and Zach. I used to bring them when they were really small, when George Genescu was hosting Big Band Sunday night, and uh, George became kind of a grandfather to them. <laughs> they loved him, and he loved them, and they would come out and hang in the studio with him when they were like five, six years old. And of course, he would give them the gears the way only George could. And then they would fall asleep in the, uh, in the boardroom, just down the hall, <laughs> and I'd rush during a commercial break and check on them. Uh, but they're here tonight, and they're much bigger, approaching their 16th birthday. Anyway, North is going to take a shot at uh, reading. Not take a shot. You're going to do an exemplary job. North is going to read the, the uh, questions and comments from the live chat. Uh, and let me take a, a, a moment as well and acknowledge all of you who gather in the in the live chat every week. Some of you have been doing that for nearly 10 years. I think it's been about 10 years since we first started live streaming, hasn't it, Ryan? Almost? Maybe not quite. And I'm going to miss some people, so forgive me. Uh, but I, you know, these are people that are there every week. Thinker and You Betcha and Not Gordian and Sigma Six, American Zero. I love these handles. Toxic Canadian and, of course, YY. I have to say, outside of the mighty Aphrodite and my mother and my mother-in-law, why, why, and my sons, although they don't always stay up to, to listen to the show, but outside of those people, why, why might be my biggest fan and supporter. And she sent me the kindest email yesterday, and, and uh, she wanted me to read it over the air. So here goes. Richard, dear, it's me, why, why. 
I won't call in for your final show because I might start blubbering. So I hope you'll read this aloud over the air instead. Still reeling from the shock. Oh my. I know I speak for thousands of us, your loyal listeners. Oh, what will we do without our regular Sunday night dopamine rush with Richard? I followed you since CFRB and was even your neighbor for a time when we both used to live in Onionville, as you used to call it. <laughs> That's right. Unionville. Onionville. And while I do listen faithfully to your Saga 960 show, that could never replace the zany fun and social camaraderie we uh, get to enjoy with you on The Conspiracy Show. You mentioned still going live at least once a month. But can I recommend Zoomer to run an archived episode or Conspiracy Unlimited podcast for the other three Sundays? Well, stay tuned. There will be some exciting things happening on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Um, but I will be uploading a lot of content there, not to worry. And, we'll, and I will do some live chats every month. I don't know how many exactly and when. I know you'd like it to be early. Uh, she says, that way your strange chat family can still gather around a pre-recorded fire in the chat window. Uh, rest assured, yeah, you'll have lots of opportunities to do that. And finally, a few suggestions for your monthly live streams. Can you please start at 10 so more of us can make it? Absolutely. Can you stream for three hours? Two goes by way too fast. Well, we'll see. I'm not going to guarantee three hours, but I'll, I'll definitely start early. Bring back what's in the box. That was a lot of fun. Well, I, I've sort of replaced that with uh, remote viewing experiments with Dr. Douglas Cottrell. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll do more of those with him, and uh, you can all participate. A broadcast from the Zoomer location? Uh, sadly, that won't happen. Uh, but I have my home studio. Anyways, uh, thanks, Richard, for being the most... Now I'm going to blush. Uh, thank you, Richard, for being the most intelligent, knowledgeable, articulate, principled, and diligent, yet adorablest, humblest, funniest, and wittiest Canadian radio host ever. Oh, jeez. Uh, Tia, uh, the mighty Aphrodite and the twins are beyond blessed to have a husband and dad like you. What do you say, boys? Is that true? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm the lucky one. I'm the blessed one, believe me. Huge thanks also to Zuma Radio and all the folks behind the scenes who have made your show all go a go all these years. Much love, your form, foremost fangirl with the Batgirl boots. YY and Nella. All right. Oh, thank you, YY. I am blushing. That's very, very kind. All right. Uh, you know, we're going to kick things off here with a dear departed uh, friend who was a regular contributor to this show and other shows that I did up at, uh, at other radio stations for many years, going back to the, well, to, to 2000, really. And uh, she was one of America's foremost paranormal investigators. Uh, she authored something like 50 books. And um, she passed away, sadly, a few years ago of cancer. I miss her. I'm going to I'm going to go back to June the 9th, 2013 for this one. It's a discussion on one of my favorite topics. Carlos, if you can get ready, it's uh it's about time slips. Here is the late great Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Hey Rosemary, how are you? Good evening, Richard. I'm doing well, thank you. I just got back today from a fabulous conference in Vermont. It was the annual convention of the American Society of Dowsers. Ah. And uh, they're very tuned in to things like uh, dimensional slips and, and uh, time shifts and things like that. 
uh, in fact, my topic at, at the convention was on interdimensional portals and, uh, you know, the warping of time and space that can occur when we encounter these zones right here on the planet. And these zones can be detected through dowsing? Sometimes, yes. If they have a lot of paranormal activity uh, and people have especially encounters with entities or they see UFOs, mysterious creatures, things like that, uh, they often can be doused, and uh, they exist out in the landscape. They can even exist in someone's backyard if we build a house in an area where these boundaries between our dimension and other dimensions seem to be very thin. Well, and th- these are areas where some of these, these time displacements can take place. And it's, uh, as, as you mentioned, it's not quite the same as time travel, where someone might deliberately move around uh, the timescape. Rather, they're, they're sort of accidental uh, visits to uh, perhaps our Earth in another time frame or parallel dimensions where um, things look almost the same as they should in our normal reality, but things are different. There's a different atmosphere. Uh, There's something off about the time when people come out of it. They might experience um, an abnormal passage of time has gone by, you know, missing time and that sort of thing. So we, we have a number of aberrational time displacement experiences that people have really reported for quite a long time. I think they're far more common than we might uh, ordinarily think. I, I want to dive right in with with an amazing story that uh, you reported to me. Uh, and this has to do, uh, it came from, allegedly, a, a lawyer practicing primarily, I believe, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, who was dealing with, who was asked to represent someone who had been committed to a mental health institution. And uh, can we start with that story? Because to me, this is just absolutely, uh, it left me gobsmacked. It is a very good story, and it's contemporary, too. And it was uh, researched and investigated by a colleague of mine, Alon Strickler, who lives in the Baltimore area where I used to live. And uh, he was contacted by an attorney who's been very troubled by this case for years. It happened in June 1992, and he was contacted and asked to take on a pro bono case for a man who had been committed to uh, one of the state hospitals. And he'd been arrested on uh, a weapons possession charge. He had an old-fashioned Derringer gun, like the kind that came out of the Wild West. And uh, vagrancy was another charge against him. He'd had ammunition. And he was um, apparently in his 30s. He, he gave his name. He said his name was Morris Winthrop. And um, he said that he was from New Jersey and he'd, he'd lived most of his life in New York City and had no idea how he had arrived in Baltimore. He was dressed in clothing that the attorney later found out through his own research was typical of the 1870s to 1880s. And this man had a very unusual appearance. He, he had these very striking, deep violet eyes, a very pale complexion, this wispy blonde hair. And uh, even though the medical professionals sort of assumed that he was suffering some sort of trauma and shock, 
because he had no recollection of how he got from New York to Baltimore. The attorney said that that this, this Morris Winthrop seemed to be in full possession of his faculties. He seemed to know exactly what was going on. And there was something just very odd about him. Well, uh, no sooner had his uh, initial interviews been done then he gets a call, the attorney gets a call saying his services are no longer needed and people are just kind of very secretive about what happened and why. But he learns through his own investigations again that Morris Winthrop mysteriously disappeared without a trace after eating an evening meal and his clothing uh, was left behind. But his other possessions, he had like a, a silver cigarette case, um, were missing. And the attorney tried to find out for a long time exactly what happened. He hired a private investigator. He got almost obsessed by this case. And here's the shocker of what he uncovered. There was, in 1877, a record of a 32-year-old single man named Morris Winthrop living in New York City who vanished without a trace and left all of his possessions behind in Manhattan. And for this man, dressed in 1870s clothing with the name of Morris Winthrop, uh, to suddenly appear in Baltimore in 1992 and have no recollection of how he got there and then mysteriously vanish again, it raises more than eyebrows. It's one of the most startling cases of evidence in support of time displacement. Now, whether Morris Winthrop deliberately was able to do that or accidentally fell through a time-dimensional gap of some sort, I think it was an accidental sort of thing. Although the, the attorney said he, he wasn't disoriented, he, didn't, he wasn't confused or lost, uh, he seemed to be very calm and in full possession of his faculties. Well, I, I was so intrigued by this story that I ran it in, in my newsletter, Strange Dimensions. And uh, then another colleague of mine who's a ufologist suggested that maybe Morris Winthrop wasn't human, that he was an alien, because uh, some of these ETs who are said to be visiting the planets, like the Nordics, are known for being time travelers. And uh, the idea behind that might be that uh, here was one of these alien visitors mm -hmm. who was uh, cruising around the human timescape uh, doing observations and, and uh, other kinds of interactions with human beings. So there are a lot of intriguing possibilities with this case. There you go. Way back in... 2013, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal researcher talking time slips, one of my favorite topics, time slips, time travel. I don't know if I'll have time. I've, I've told this story on the air before, I believe. I had an interesting case of a time slip. Nothing as dramatic as the one that Rosemary Ellen Guiley just related. Uh, but we are, um, we're winding the show down here on uh, Zoomer Radio. And... Um, We've opened up the uh, the phone lines, Carlos. If you could, yeah, we've got the uh, the phone lines open four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and of course we'll take questions and comments from the uh, YouTube live chat. 
and I've pressed my son North into service. North, do you have one there to begin with? A question? Let me uh, let me get your mic on there. There you go. Welcome to the show, North. Oh, Father. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a few here. All right. So, uh, Harold and Samson asks, "What's your ethnicity, Richard?" What is my ethnicity? Uh, kind of a Heinz fifty-seven, but I would say primarily uh, the British Isles, Scottish, Irish, probably some Welsh in there. I think my mother had that ancestry. .ca uh, performed, and I think we might have, I think there was something like Iberian Peninsula, which is, you know, Iberian Peninsula, you remember your geography, Zach and North? That would be. Now, my old grade 8 teacher taught geography, and he's listening, and he's on the YouTube chat He tonight. has a question, too. He does? We'll get to, uh, to Gary's question in a minute. The Iberian Peninsula would be Spain and Portugal. Right. So there's some Spanish in there as well. And you know where the Spanish comes from? This is an interesting story. A little history lesson. So the, the Spanish Armada, you know, during Elizabethan England times, Spain was trying to invade Great Britain. So they launched this Spanish Armada. And um, miraculously, because the, the Spain would have overrun the UK, they had a huge navy. Miraculously, this storm this storm came up and destroyed the Spanish Navy. And some of these vessels ran aground and they crashed against the rocks and, and slammed into the, uh, into the coast of Ireland. And so some of these Spanish sailors came ashore and uh, stayed. They stayed in Ireland and they took Irish wives and they had offspring and they have darker, darker hair. They call them the Black Irish. So you, if you have ancestry dating, in, you know, ancestry from Ireland, you could also therefore have some Spanish in your blood. So that's where the Spanish comes from. And I think we might, may even have a little bit of Viking blood. So there you go. Thank you for that question. So great to be with you one last time. As we uh, say so long. But not really goodbye. As I mentioned earlier, I'll still be kicking around in the ether daily, 4 to 6 on Saga, my podcast, three days a week, coast to coast AM, several times per month. Although I don't know where you can listen to that anymore in Canada. Just find an affiliate and listen online. That's the best way. And uh, also the, the YouTube channel, where many of you gather so faithfully every week. I'm going to take a call here. You know, lately I haven't done that. Uh, let's say hi to Bob in Thornhill. Bob, welcome. How are you? Good, thanks, Richard. And to steal uh, a line from Nelson, I'd just like to say uh, thanks very much for being uh, a beacon of light in the dystopian uh, darkness. Ah, that's very kind of you. Thank you, Bob. Um, it's It's been a great ride, but I have a couple of requests. Uh, I went to the Jonathan Kahn uh, event that uh, you organized, and I was wondering... In the future, if you could do like an event show with guest speakers. That's a great idea. Um, I, I did some live events over the years. I did a couple out in Oshawa at a beautiful theater out there. I did a number of events at the, um, the University of Toronto in some of their lecture halls. So that's a great idea. And speaking of Jonathan Kahn, 
Uh, he'll be upcoming on um, one of my podcasts, actually. Uh, I'm probably going to do a two-part special with uh, with Jonathan, and some uh, portions of those will end up on the YouTube channel as well. Um, I guess the Thornhill Pub will, is too small to do an event. Uh, it might be. It might be. Um, another, but another you can find me you... there on occasion. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about uh, having guest hosts come in just to give you a break? Guest hosts coming in where? Well, on on your show with Strange Planet. Oh well, that's a podcast. That's the the podcast. Uh, you know, occasionally that might that might happen. But um, uh, you know, I'm I'm still looking at cranking out three three every single week. And um, again, the the uh, the podcast you can find that anywhere you get your podcast. Strange Planet. Is there a book in the works? Because one of my favorite. Uh Stories was when you picked up Frank Gorshin in the station wagon with the hockey equipment in the back. Oh, yeah. Frank Gorshin. I was producing a TV show uh, with uh, John Oakley, and it was called Live on Life with John Oakley. It was a terrific show, and we flew all of these wonderful guests in. Many of them were my heroes from television. And so we flew Frank Gorshin in to do the show, The Riddler, from the original Batman series. And after the show, he, he, he wanted to stick around. He wanted to hang out. He was kind of lonely. And um, he didn't know anybody in town. And uh, the, the same show, Cheap Trick, was on the program. So you can imagine. Uh, and Cheap Trick decided, well, let's all go out. So Cheap Trick, they pile into their limo or whatever, and they head downtown. They were going to meet at Crazy Louis Breeze. It was a, it was a brew pub. So Cheap Trick was there, and Frank Gorshin jumps in the station wagon with, uh, with me and John Oakley, who was a, an avid pickup hockey player, and he had his stinky hockey equipment in the back. Frank Gorshin jumps in the car. We have to stop for gas first, and we pull up to the gas pump that's closest to the, 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 hut, you know, the little hut where you pay. And so, so John and I uh, go in. It was, I think we had to prepay or something. I don't know. We went in first, and Frank said, well, I'll, I'll pump the gas. So Frank Gorshin, the Riddler, jumps out, and he's pumping the gas. And we walk in, and the gentleman behind the, uh, in, in the, behind the cash is, is a gentleman. I'm, I'm not stereotyping. He happened to be from um, India or Pakistan. I'm not sure where. And he looked out, and he, but he, you know, Batman is universal, right? Played in reruns around the world. He sees Frank Gorshin pumping gas. He looks out the window at Frank Gorshin. He looks at us. He looks back at Frank Gorshin. And he says, I'm not going to do the accent. That You can't do that anymore. Why is the Riddler pumping your gas? <laughs> well, you've got a lot of great uh, stories. And my thanks to Carlos, Ryan, your family, everyone else involved. But I've learned so much from your chat line, especially from Thinker. He reminds me of uh, Gary Bell and the very intuitive, uh, seductive way way. But what about having a show where... Just the the chat line is on, and you could supervise the chaos. I think uh, we're going to do something with the YouTube to set up some qu- kind of a community. This is beyond my uh, my my pay scale, my technical expertise. So I'm going to defer to my IT department, aka North and Zach, and they're going to, along with Ryan, probably help me set that up. So not to worry, all of you faithful in the YouTube live chat. Going to be lots of things happening there, and we're going to include you. So thank you, Bob. Wonderful to uh, to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Richard. Have a good evening. You too. All right, I'm going to dip back into the audio archives, and again, this is from 2012, going back to October the 14th. And um, again, I mentioned time travel, my favorite topic, and uh, this is a very—he's still with us, as far as I know. Marshall Barnes is a 
a remarkable man who um, completed it back 10 years ago. I don't know where he's at now with this, but he successfully completed a series of basic experiments that provided, he said, the foundation for building a practical time machine uh, based on a little understood theory of Albert Einstein. It's the, uh, it was his incomplete unified field theory, I believe. So here's Marshall Barnes talking about the race to build the first time machine. Welcome back, friends. Marshall Barnes is with us. He's in a race to build the first time machine. And uh, he's um, explaining how this will work. Now, uh, tell me, describe to me what this thing looks like. Oh, right now, it's, it's a simple uh, metal fan. It's not very big. But it has a cable attached to it. It's not attached to the motor. It's attached to actually uh, uh, part of the housing that uh, then basically what happens is when we send the signal to this particular uh, portion of the fan, it's then conducted to the axle and then it goes to the fan blades. And we've tested it to make sure, you know, in fact, we, I did a conductivity test before I even tried to do anything else with it. And uh, essentially what that was is you hook it up to a uh, stereo, and then you uh, take a speaker with a speaker wire coming off the back of it, mm-hmm. and then you touch it to the, uh, to the different parts of the fan while the stereo is running. And if you hear music, and you hear music with high fidelity, and then you've got a really good, you know, conductive connection there. And that's how we tested it out before uh, I started doing, you know, any real experiments with it. So that's it's basically what the setup allows you to do. The, um, what, the, what effects we're getting already are, number one, and this is the most important one, we're getting an acceleration of the fan. Uh, what happens is if you turn the fan on and you use a strobe light to try to, uh, to make it look like it's slowed down uh, by setting this uh, rate on the strobe light. Right, you're putting a, you're putting a load. On the um, on the current, so once you add a load, then the, the because of the laws of conservation of energy, the the blades should, according to the present laws of physics, should slow down. Right? No, 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 no. No. Okay. The, the slow down part has to do with like um, the same principles of a timing light when a mechanic works on a car. Okay. You've got the strobe light flash, and you're trying to think. You're trying to. And I'm not a mechanic, but I know that there's something with with like the timing belt or whatever. They're trying to get something to sync up. So they know that everything's running right. Okay. All right. So what we're doing with the with the strobe light is we're flashing the strobe light at the fan. Oh, I and see. Then we okay. Adjust the rate so it looks like the fan's not moving. The fan's still moving. If you put your finger in, it's not going to be good. But if the fan's still moving, but it just looks like it's not moving because of the, because of the flicker rate of the strobe light. Right. Right. Okay. So it has nothing to do with the load. Okay. Like I understand. That. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. Okay. Because we're not we're not doing anything to the motor of this fan. Got it. Okay. So what happens then is when you get it look like it's not moving and then you turn on the field, all of a sudden it breaks out of that frozen position. That means, guess what? The blades it's are faster. Moving faster. Right. Okay. Exactly. So uh, so that was the one thing we did. The other thing we did was uh, we, we, we were shining a light at it and uh, in a dark room, and we noticed when a field's activated that it seems like some of the light starts to disappear, and we don't know why, okay? Now, uh, before I can you know make a guesstimate about that, I have to do a test to see whether or not if it has anything to do with the fact that the fan blades are moving faster, so it might reflect, it might affect the reflectivity uh, that's being, you know, that's going on with the light hitting the fan blades. But we can definitely see that there is a decrease in the light that's reflecting off of the blades. So, so Marshall, if you were to place something inside this field that's been created by the oscillating fan blades in conjunction with this, this, uh, this signal, what do you suspect would happen to that object? Well, okay, right now, not a whole lot, uh, aside from the fact that we've got a high-velocity fan going and it's blowing all kinds of air, okay? So, but the, uh, the thing about it is that 
uh, eventually what we want to do is raise the power because we're only we're working with maybe 50 watts at the most. Okay, now we can get our hands on an amplifier. It's an expensive one, but we can you know it's available. We can get our hands on an amplifier that's 14,000 watts per channel. Now, along with the fact that we have oh yeah, the other thing that's interesting is that uh, when you look at this fan when the field's turned on. You don't really see anything that radical with your naked eye, but if you turn up the monitor, a video monitor, after you've shot footage of it, you get a, co- a, you get a ring of color. It's like green, and that's just normal. That just, it just comes off, that, comes off that way. But then when the field's activated, all of a sudden you see this stream of yellow coming into it, and we're like, what is that? <laughs> you know, we're still trying to figure out what that is, but that's something else that's indicating that there's something really different going on here. But again, we're only dealing with 50 watts output. So if you can imagine increasing the power by like 300 times, I mean, you can just you can just kind of think, well, you know, we might be at that point, maybe even before that point, be approaching what you might call science fiction level effects. Okay, but explain to me why you believe that you are actually creating a time machine and not just blowing air around at incredibly high rates. Well, because what we're seeing, ha- the effects that we're seeing have nothing to do with the air. Okay. That's why. Um, I mean, air, I mean, for example, the acceleration of the fan has nothing to do with blowing air. It's blowing air uh, anyway. Right. So, uh, and also, the thing about it is if we, just like Ron Mallet with his uh, rotating ring laser, he thinks that if by having this laser go around, it's going to start to twist space and time, and then he'll start to get closed kind of like curves, and they will have a time machine. Right. Well, we know that space is being affected by this field. That's what's causing the acceleration of the fan. Okay. So if we crank it up with, with enough power, then we will start to twist space and time, and then we will eventually get closed time-like curves. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, doing the math on it. The key is that this field does something that is akin to what Einstein was talking about with his uh, unified field theory of electromagnetism and gravity, that we have an electromagnetic field that is creating a gravitic effect. In other words, it's exhibiting the kind of properties you expect if electromagnetism and gravity were coupled together in some fashion. There you go, Marshall Barnes. Did you follow all that, Zachary? Get to work on a time machine. <laughs> Your mother, the mighty Aphrodite, always asking me, when are you building me a time machine? You know why she wants to build a time machine, boys? She wants to go back to the time when you were first born because that was such a magical time in our lives, and it goes by so quickly. So every night, practically, without fail, for the last 15 years, I climb into bed, and she says, have you built my time machine yet? Imagine having that over your head. Come on. All I ask, she says, I have, I have simple tastes. I'm easy to please. Just build me a time machine. Why don't we go to the uh, YouTube live chat and uh, where my son, North, is manning that desk. North, do you have a YouTube question for us, a, qu- a live chat question? Go ahead. Yep. So, uh, Sean Caldwell asked, what was, the vi- what was the topic of your very first show on Zoomer? Do you know? Yes, I remember, because it was August the 16th. Uh, in twenty in two thousand nine, and it was a uh, there were two guests. I think the first guest, though, because it was August sixteenth, and that was the anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley. Uh, the first one was a, a woman who uh, claimed to be his illegitimate daughter, and she had all of this evidence that she offered up. It was it was uh, quite compelling evidence as well as I remember. I can't remember who was on in the second hour, uh, but that was the very first guest. Another one? Doris Sanders asks, wish, or says, or rather, wishing you the best. You will certainly be missed. 
I have loved your fascinating show and your fascinating mind. Thank you very much. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Mark in Mississauga. Mark, welcome. Mark in Mississauga. Do we have a, anyone manning the phones in there? There we Hello? are. There we are. Mark's in Mississauga. Hi. Hi, Richard. Can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Excellent. I'll make it very quick because uh, I'm sure there's lots of people online. First off, uh, I've been listening to you since probably day one. You, your show, and everything else, very top. I really enjoyed the coast back in the Art Bell days, yourself and the late spaceman Gary Bell. Really enjoyed uh, all three, and yours, of course, going forward. Still very great. Love it all the time. So that's the one thing. Yes. Like to, uh, Thank you, Mark. Enough. Uh, secondly, quick comment. You had a guest back in November uh, 2017. Uh, all I can say is I emailed you and him, because at the end of his show, Al, his, he gave out his Gmail address, and he had fourth-stage prostate cancer, and he, he talked about how... <laughs> He, uh, I think he, uh, he had a plant, a one-pound pot plant, which he uh, had it properly, I guess, uh, uh, somehow he uh, had it properly made that he had it in oil form. He took it, and he went from four-stage uh, cancer that the doctors gave him one, one year to live, and he had actually beat it. And at the end of the show, he was a half-musician, half-comic in Toronto. Yes, Alan, Alan Parks, I think. Uh, Alan yeah, Parks. I didn't his last name, but he gave out his Gmail address at the end of the show, and he said, "If anybody wants information, right, uh, to give him a shout." I emailed, I Gmailed him. Nothing happened. I, I know you're busy. I gave you an email, no response, and I just wanted to see just if it's possible to get in touch, or even to find out what procedure he took to uh, take that one-pound pot, pot into a uh, small vial he, he administered himself, okay. and he did fourth stage. With that, that one stage, yes. And again, he offered his his uh, meal. He had too many calls, and he didn't take any okay. emails. I don't know. I'll tell you what, Mark. I'll tell you what. Um, email me one more time. I know you have in the past, and but I will be um, more diligent this time. Email it, and I will I will see if I can find any contact information. Now we're going back almost five years, but Alan is still out there. I think he's still doing a podcast. Uh, wow. So let me see if I can. I'll do my darndest to to connect you with uh, Alan Park. Well, thanks for that, dear Richard. And should I just go with your email address? Because uh, you have a few. I know you're 960 and 740. Uh, just go at Richard's uh, 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 email address for yourself. Richard Serrett 1, the number 1, Richard Serrett 1 yep. at gmail.com. Yep. And lastly, uh, very quickly, your closing music, the one that uh, I really loved it. And uh, at the end of the show, you play parts of it. I actually, I think I have it on tape a bit. I really enjoy that nice melodic theme. You know, I tried shazamming that. Of I course. believe it is from. Well, I, I'm quite certain the one you're referring to to close the show is from Edward Scissorhand and Danny Elfman. No, it's not Edward Scissorhand. Alice Lord. in Wonderland, isn't it? No, it's Edward Scissorhands, and it's from uh, Danny Elfman. the The very closing <clears throat> theme is uh, Danny Elfman is my favorite uh, musical composer. You know, no, it's it's Edward Scissorhand. North. Are you sure? Yeah. Wow. Sure. Thanks, dear Richard. Again. All the, all the good work that you do on 960 and filling in is always great, and I'll continue to listen. Uh, uh, okay, send me that email, Mark, and I'll try to hit, get you connected with Alan Park. Thank you very much, Richard. All, right. all the best, man. All Thank the you. best. All right. We'll take a quick time out, come back. More, uh, uh, more clips from the audio vaults, more comments and questions from the YouTube live chat, and more of your calls as we say so long. Mm-hmm. 
Richard Serrett, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And it is uh, so long, my final show, final installment of The Conspiracy Show here on Zoomer Radio. And um, North and Zach, my two twin boys, are here in studio. North is manning the YouTube live chat. And uh, North, why don't we grab a couple of questions there from the YouTube live chat? Go ahead. You're on. So I have a few. There's a few of them that I screenshotted here, but Harold and Samson says, Richard, you don't look like you're in your 50s. It's all done with mirrors. Uh, I will be 59 in January. Um, Mr. Prince says, hi, Richard. Mr. Prince, wishing you all the best for your future endeavors. Ah, okay. Thanks for all the years of entertainment. Thank you. Uh, Gary Prince, my grade 8 teacher from Woodman Drive Public School, and I ho- he has been asking me for months, really, and I have neglected this. He wants to know, uh, and I'll get to this hopefully later, uh, and, and I'm going to dedicate an entire podcast to this subject just for Mr. Prince because uh, he's my grade 8 teacher. You know, this is my assignment. Uh, And he wants to know about these Russian Navy divers back in 1982. This came out after the fall of the Berlin Wall, after the Iron Curtain, I should say, rather, in in 1990. Uh, A lot of these secrets came from the Soviet Union about UFO encounters and so forth. And there were these Russian Navy divers, seven of them, who were allegedly attacked by aquatic aliens in Lake Baikal. It's a fascinating uh, chapter in UFO history. Uh, like again, geography, Lake Baikal. This is, I believe, it's the deepest and coldest lake. It's in southeastern Siberia, the coldest and deepest lake in the world. And it is so deep. Uh, I think in some places it's something like, um, oh geez, what did I read? Thousands of meters deep, and and. Because it's so deep, it holds, this one lake holds one quarter of the Earth's fresh water. Anyway, so these these uh, Soviet uh, scuba divers were down there on a training exercise, and they encountered these amphibious um, humanoids, and they were wearing, like, they didn't have, uh, you know, tanks, oxygen tanks, but they had some kind of a strange helmet on. Anyway, uh, time permitting, I will... I, I will carve out some time in the second hour to talk about this, and then I'm going to dedicate an entire podcast uh, to the uh, to this uh, topic. All right, another YouTube question or comment? So Frankie Frank asks, wait, why are you leaving and where are you going? All right, well, uh, I'm stepping away from this show just because, you know, as I approach my sixth decade, uh, I get, well, I'm already in my sixth decade, but I'm, I'm just... Um, I need I need to step back from something. I can't continue to have all of these plates spinning in the air. A few old fans of the Ed Sullivan Show. That was a big thing back in the day. You would put you would you would spin plates on on sticks. My boys are looking at me like, "What are you on about, old man?" <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and they had another guy that talked with his fist. Senior Wences. That was the Ed Sullivan show. And the song. Anyway, uh, too many plates. I'm spinning too many plates. <laughs> I'm spinning too many plates. i got to step away from something. But I'm still doing the podcast. Strange Planet. Three days a week. I'm still on Saga 960 AM. Monday to Friday, 4 to 6. I'm still doing Coast to Coast. I'm still going to do something with the YouTube channel. But I, I just can't do everything forever. And uh, sadly, I had to give up one thing, and this is, this is it. And I'll have my Sundays off for the first time in 13 years. Uh, so uh, one more. Do we have one more from the YouTube? We have a bunch more, but yeah. I guess uh, Stefan Nielsen asks, Richard, why was Coast to Coast canceled in Canada? Um, I, I, I can't answer definitively, but I'm hearing reports that I know it's no longer available in Toronto. I used to guest host Coast to Coast uh, from... 640 and then later 1010 and now there aren't any uh, stations carrying they have no affiliates in Toronto carrying it now I'm hearing reports that it may not be anywhere in Ontario and perhaps Canada that I don't know uh, I think many of the the stations that carried coast to coast uh, were bell stations and I guess they just didn't f- fit in with their their uh, their stated objectives or their values I think during COVID a lot of them, uh, moved on to sort of local programming to talk about COVID. And uh, that's all I know, really. I mean, I would love for it to come back uh, in Toronto. Uh, but, it, you know, if you want to listen to Coast, you have to go to their coasttocoastam.com website, find local a local station or any station, any affiliate that actually streams online, and then you can listen to it on your phone. That's the best way. So one more. Um Nicholas just super chatted $5 in the YouTube chat and said, thank you, for, thank you for providing so much information, entertainment, and a place for a fantastic chat community throughout the years. Love you, Richard. Ah, love you right back. Thank you. North, you had a terrific idea uh, for all of our wonderful people that gather every week in the live chat. What are we going to try and do for them? So uh, later on, when we get the YouTube channel up and running, uploading the podcast three times a week... Um, Parts, portions of portions the podcast. Of the podcast and, oh, we're also going to do a, a throwback Thursday. Yes. So you guys are going to get, be getting four pieces of content a week on the YouTube channel. And then as well as a, a Discord server for you folks. Because I'm reading this chat and there's a, a really tight-knit community in here. And it'd be a shame to just see that go. So we're going to create a Discord community so that they can gather on their own. Exactly. Right? And maybe once in a while I'll jump in and Perfect. be nosy. Yes. All right. That'll be in addition to the YouTube channel. Exactly. All right. Okay, uh, let's let's say hi to Skip in Connecticut very quickly here. Skip, welcome. How are you, my old friend? It's, yeah, Richard, always great shows. Uh, you know, a couple of quick things. Just looking at last week's show, uh, you can't automatically, I guess, believe, you know, what they were saying about Jesse James. Uh, I, I buy it. Uh, it seems like the mother was a real character. You know, she might have came in and got wind of it. Uh, of the plot, uh, but I was thinking also of uh, General Custer's wife, Elizabeth Bacon Custer, how she uh, and uh, she lived till 1933, was was an actual millionaire, and, and, you know, at that time, you know, when she right. was older, but she really seemed to hold, lose a little perspective and almost held the torch for the general uh, too much, I thought, from, from what I... Do you know much about that? I no, mean, I don't. No, I don't. Now, um, you were referring last week, or not last week, it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had yeah. um, brother and sister um, 
that are great grandchild great great grandchildren a claim of yeah. Jesse James and uh, I don't know I, I, you ask me I can't possibly or I might not necessarily buy into it I think I think it's almost an open and case uh, open and closed case that they've assembled there with their evidence particularly their great 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 grandmother you know missing an arm wearing the same type of dress they have the photos I I, I generally believe that they are the descendants of of Jesse James and that would make um, that would seem to indicate that he did fake his death because they're, you know, he didn't go by that name, and and their great 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 grandfather lived in Texas up into the 1940s. I don't know about General Custer. That's an interesting chapter. I know that those two also wrote a book called Secrets of the Wild Wild West. So maybe there's something in that book, Skip, about General Custer, but it, it, it focuses, or it, it doesn't just focus on Jesse James. It also gets into Billy the Kid. So who knows? Maybe there's something in there about General Custer. Yeah, but it is interesting how his wife was so enamored with him that even after his death, she was still, you know, doing programs on him into the 1920s, for example, and she died in 1933. You know, and that must have been interesting. You know, being no doubt. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Well, so many, so many chapters of history probably need to be rewritten, and perhaps one day they will. Skip, thank you for the call, and thank you for your calls over the over the years. Yeah. Always uh, appreciate. Sure. Thank yeah. you so much. All right, back with more of the conspiracy show. As we say, so long. Hour two awaits. Don't go away. Truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to the final installment of The Conspiracy Show. After 13 years stepping away, I'll still be very busy. Again, the podcast, Strange Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, available wherever you find your podcasts. And it's the same type of content. Uh, but I publish those three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, the YouTube channel will continue. We'll continue to um, upload probably more content than we do now. So don't despair for all of you 
who uh, gather in the YouTube live chat every week without fail for nearly 10 years. Not, I'm not abandoning you, not to worry. And uh, North, my son, one half of my IT department, as I call it, uh, just announced that uh, he's going to launch a, a Discord, what do you call that, a Discord channel? What do you call that? Yeah, it's a Discord server. So it's just a, it's like a big group chat. Okay. Like, thousands of people if you want all right and then and then we'll how do we, well you'll figure it out yeah well i just told the youtube chat to check the community tab every once in a while and there should be an invite link in there all right are they, do they seem are, are, do they seem happy with that announcement i don't know i don't know uh <laughs> so snarky well what happened <laughs> um yeah they're all they seem appreciative i think wonderful okay so that's happening and uh yeah we're going to do a throwback thursday some old episodes will be up there and uh some new content and some live chats we'll do some live chats zachary's going to step into the in and monitor the youtube live chat here in a moment as well so i can get him on the air um coming up this hour a visit from uh, another dear old departed friend our gary patterson we're going to talk about um, paul is dead Remember the Paul is dead rumor that he died supposedly in a car crash in uh, November of 1966 and was replaced with a, uh, a double? Actually, why don't we do that now? Uh, rock and roll investigator R. Gary Patterson. And uh, he was a, a fine musician in his own right, but he was also a, a history teacher in Olive Springs, Tennessee. I got to know Gary. Again, going back to uh, probably uh, 2000, I guess, the year 2000, and um, exploring wonderful rock and roll mysteries. You know, what happened to Jimi Hendrix? Was he murdered? Uh, all of the strange synchronicities in rock and roll, the paranormal hauntings in, uh, in and around uh, Venice Beach, where Jim Morrison used to hang out. He was just uh, so wonderful uh, and so knowledgeable, and, and uh, he and I later worked on a, a project. We were hoping to launch it as a, a radio show. Originally, it was called The Spirit of Rock, and it was about that very thing, just exploring some of the great mysteries in rock and roll. And um, then he passed away, just as we were set to actually uh, debut, I think, on a station in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I, um, I had to reconfigure. I decided that Gary would want this project to go on. We talked about it almost every day on the phone or on a Google Hangout. And uh, curiously, he died on, I believe it was May 26, 2017. The date is significant because that was the 50th anniversary of the re release in America of the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. He was obsessed with that album and all of the clues that are on that album cover actually carlos why don't we get ready and why, why don't we play um my interview this is going back to november 11th 2012 rock and roll investigator the fox Mulder of rock he used to describe him himself uh, talking about the uh the mystery that paul is dead and these are the clues to be found on the cover of sergeant peppers indicating that paul is dead our gary patterson When you look at these rumors, the first one, you know, we were talking about, it's just totally ridiculous that people made fiddle like taking a sledgehammer and smashing a round peg in a square hole. And they were looking for clues that went back to 1964-65. So if you give any credence to this, then it would have to be after the Beatles' second world tour. 
if it did happen, which would make November 9th, 1966, you know, a plausible thing because they had returned. And the next set of clues would be guided looking and guided listening. And if you look at the album covers, you know, does the yellow hyacinth guitar on the grave, does it really spell out Paul question mark? If you look at it, it's left-handed. All right, McCartney was the only left-handed Beatle in the band. If you count the strings on the instrument, there's only three. Well, there were four Beatles. Now there would only be three. This is the Sgt. Pepper cover. This, this is the Sgt. Pepper cover. Yeah, Sgt. Yeah. Pepper's. But if you go back, and you go back um, uh, the album, a couple of albums before, um, I can't remember the um, the name of the Yesterday and Today. Mm-hmm. The original album cover, and this is a collector's mm-hmm. item, because it oh, featured yeah. the, the Fab Four there, and they all had these horribly disfigured, mangled dolls <laughs> all over them, on their lap, on their, you know, draped over their shoulder and so forth. It was, it was pulled off the market, I guess, because it was seen as distasteful. Yes. But supposedly that's a clue, right? Well, the idea was, you know, it was a butcher cover. If you want to make a clue to it, you, if you go back and look at the butcher cover, McCartney has his mouth open, and it's like he has no teeth, like his teeth were knocked out in the accident. And George is holding a, a headless doll next to him. Now, that might that's probably a great stretch. But And then the rumor that the Beatles were objecting to Capitol Records butchering their albums because the songs were placed in different order in the United States than they were in Great Britain. But the record company wasn't very, well, they were appalled by the avant-garde cover the Beatles did. So they pasted a number of them up, and that became the Beatles yesterday and today. And if you look at the pasted cover, it looks like McCartney is sitting in a trunk, which some people interpreted as a coffin, and the other Beatles are around him. And, of course, the title, Yesterday and Today. All right, Yesterday, you know, Paul famous song today, Paul's Dead. So people look back. I don't think it went that far back. I think that's a really good stretch. But if you look, to me, Sgt. Peppers is the answer. Because I honestly believe that the Beatles actually planted some clues themselves. And I've got an interesting theory on why they did that. But, but still, you know, it was brilliant the way they did it. And there's a lot of things on Sgt. Pepper on the cover. If you've got your Sgt. Pepper album... I do, right here in front of me. Well, Richard, that's because you're always up on everything, my friend. (laughs) Well, I knew you were going to come around to the Sgt. Pepper. And, of course, uh, you know, with with the Beatles, all roads lead to Sgt. Pepper. So, yeah, let's walk through some of the clues then. Okay. First of all, let's start with the wax figure Beatles. Yes. And if you'll notice, several of them are looking down at this which appears to be a freshly dug grave. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think Lennon's looking at because, you know, he doesn't follow it. He's trying to get the truth. And the other Beatles, they're all dressed the same, the wax figures, but if you look at the Beatles in the center, they're dressed in these psychedelic colors, you know, like butterflies that have come out of cocoon, you know. And it's all differences. And then if you look at the grave itself, it has Beatles. It doesn't have the Beatles. So a lot of people say, oh, well, there are Beatles on the album, but not the band. There's something missing. Mm-hmm. Like the four strings on a bass guitar, well, there's only three strings on the bass guitar. If you look at McCartney's hand holding his instrument, he has three fingers on the instrument, another reference to the number three. And then there were now, three, yes. Yeah, it would be hard to say, okay, you're going to... All right, your name is Billy Shears. You're going to take his place. And, uh, oh, would you mind holding three fingers to show everybody you're not real? You know, I mean, who knows how you could do that, but you have that. And then there's the doll figure, 
as you go to the right of it. Yes. And she's sitting in this stuffed figure's lap. And if you'll look, it's got a driving glove on its left hand, and it appears to be caked in blood. I never noticed that. There you yeah. go. Okay. So a left-handed figure. If you look down directly in front of the doll, it appears one of the arrangements appears to be a car crashing with flames coming out of the back. Do mm. you see that? Yes. You mentioned that. You mentioned the the the, the bloody shoes. Oh uh, yeah. Um, that's um, uh, in Magical Mystery Tour. That's it. There's a scene where Paul McCartney is playing in his sock feet, in his stocking feet, mm-hmm. standing beside a pair of bloody shoes. That's so there's right. that motif again. Yeah, that's pretty spooky. And then if you read the bass drum on the on the Magical Mystery Tour album, which were basically songs left over from Sgt. Pepper's, if you read it, it says, Love the Three Beatles. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's four, right? Yes. Interesting. And uh, even the word love, if you look at it carefully, it almost looks like Paul, if you'll look at it. But going back to the Sgt. Pepper cover, I mean, they have figures who are notoriously bad. You have figures who are comedians. You have uh, gurus. You have people of enlightenment. So the left-hand path, if you look at the top row, the second figure from the top is Aleister Crowley. Yes, yes. Now, why was he on a Beatle cover, you know? But it's in the left-hand path. So I think the Beatles are trying to, to make a statement, you know, about yin and yang and all of this, you know, their enlightenment. But to me... The one thing that no one can explain, and we're going to come to this now, is if you look in the crowd, you see Carl Jung, all right? You'll also see a guy whose name is Lewis Carroll. Yes. And you'll also see Edgar Allan Poe, a a number of notables. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Winston Churchill. Uh, Lewis Carroll wrote Alice's Adventures Through the Looking Glass. Yes. So that was a clue, because the clue was that you could use a mirror and you could find these clues. For instance, back to Magical Mystery Tour, the word Beatles on Magical Mystery Tour, if you held the album upside down and you connected the large stars, then a phone number would uh, would appear that you could call and get the truth. <laughs> a lot of people at that time, now this is 1969, some people called and they said that when they called the number, a funeral home answered. Well, Ooh. that's spooky. Another group of people claimed that a mysterious voice only said, you're getting closer. And then finally, another voice appeared to some callers and was quizzing them on Beatle history with a chance to send them to a place called Pepperland. And as soon as the clues hit, the number was disconnected. So that was kind of interesting. But now, the, the, uh, also the, on the album cover, you got the Lonely Hearts, uh, the words Lonely Hearts on the drum logo. That's and it. again, That's with what... the mirror, that mirror trick, what does that spell? Okay, this, this to me was the smoking gun of the whole thing. Because if you take the bass drum, which you got to admit, Richard, it looks like if it was in the center over a freshly dug grave, it would have to be a tombstone. And the painter of the of the drum skin's name was Joe Epgrave. And at first it looks like Ep Grave, Epitaph on a grave. Mm. Well, I want you to know that I have talked to Joe Epgrave's granddaughter, and she said, you know, about her grandfather being actually commissioned to do this. And they think that they have the two drum skins, the original uh, artwork he was doing is in their barn or whatever. I said, well, if you have that, you, you've got an awful lot of money. But there really is a Joe Epgrave. We thought that, well, Joe Epgrave may be a clue with the name, but that existed. So anyway, what you have to do is you take a straight-edge mirror, and you place it in the center of Lonely Hearts, and you read from the reflection to the album cover, and the first thing you see is numeral one, 
and then it spells O N E, and then you have numeral I X, and then it says He die. And between He and die is a diamond shaped arrow that points straight up to Paul McCartney and out of the grave. So McCartney just happens to be standing where the arrow points directly to him. And over his head is an open hand that picks him out of the crowd. Life magazine said that in Far Eastern societies, an open hand over someone's head was a symbol of death. Well, you know, that fits in great, which you already know what the outcome's going to be. But <laughs> to me, he's picked out of the group, and the drum skin points directly at him. Now, what all this means at first, I thought it could be one of the Beatles, the one with nine letters, he died because McCartney's the only Beatle with nine letters. I've also heard it in, interpreted as one, 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 X, like you're crossing one out, he died. But what you got to look at, if it's a actual epitaph on a tombstone, then what you have to do is you'd know that it would give you the date of death. So if you put it together, like one, numeral one, and then O-N-E, those two ones make 11. Right. And then Roman numeral IX is 9. So you have 11, 9. He died. Well, 11, 9 is November the 9th. Now, what's really spooky when I was doing this, I thought, well, you know, in Great Britain, it would be the day and then the month. All right? So it would be 9, 11, right? Mm -hmm. Which would be, you know, an American history thing about 9, 11. Sure, sure. Oh, my gosh, September 11th. But, you know, it didn't fit as far as the clue goes, because the clue was November 9th. Now, to make it even more interesting, the Sgt. Pepper cover was the first album in history that actually had the lyrics on the back. So if you turn the album cover over to the back, you'll see that the lyrics are all there, and George Harrison is pointing with his thumb to a certain line from the song She's Leaving Home. And the line says, Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock as the day begins. Well, November 9th, 1966, was a Wednesday, and the accident was reported to have been at 5 o'clock. So here on the back, on a blood-red cover, Harrison's pointing to the line Wednesday morning. Wow, to say, to say nothing of Lennon's A Day in the Life, which had the lyrics, he blew his mind out in a car. <laughs> That's right. He hadn't noticed the lights had changed, but listen to this line. Uh, when he says nobody was really sure if he was from the House of Lords, that's what the lyric says. But when you listen to it, listen carefully, because he goes into falsetto, and it sounds exactly like he's saying nobody was really sure if he was from the House of Paul. Ah. So when you get a chance to listen to Day in the Life again, check that out. There you go. Uh, the late R. Gary Patterson. I miss him. I miss him. Uh, and I've told you before about my phone call from Gary on a, um, on a Friday night, May 25th of 2017, talking about our radio project. And uh, I'm walking around with a phone talking to Gary, and he's telling me that the meeting uh, that we were supposed to have with a radio station in Knoxville is off for now because Monday is going to be Memorial Day. And um, I said, okay, Gary, well, we'll talk to you soon. Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday night, it's announced on Coast to Coast, Gary was a regular on Coast, that, that he had passed away on Friday night. 
I didn't, I didn't hear that edition of Coast to Coast. I learned about it the next day. I thought it was a joke. I called Gary. I said, I left a message on his cell phone. Gary, ha, Coast to Coast says you died. What a joke. What's going on? Give me a call. Well, it was true, of course. He was dead. Uh, the problem was, I learned when I flew down to uh, Tennessee to attend his funeral that Gary had died uh, around 5 or 6 o'clock. Now, it's May. It doesn't get dark until probably close to 7, 7.30. Uh, it was dark when he called. He called me after 5 or 6 o'clock when he supposedly died. And then it was my iPhone. I checked the phone records. I had no incoming calls that Friday. Nobody. Nobody called me on the Friday. There's much more to that story, and I think I've related it to you uh, over the years. However, I, uh, I want to quickly, be, before we get back to the YouTube live chat, and Zachary's going to jump on Mike, my other beautiful son, and read a few questions. I want to thank also uh, KFEQ 680 in Kansas City, WETR AM 760 in Knoxville, WRNN 99.5 FM in Myrtle Beach, KWTO AM 560 in Springfield, Missouri, and KEYS 1440 AM in Corpus Christi, Texas. All right, uh, Zachary, it's your moment to shine. We're going to go to the YouTube live chat. Do you want to read a question or a comment? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Nelson Thal, uh, do we need $20? Oh, on our YouTube live chat, our good friend Nelson. Yep. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Nelson. That's and he uh, commented, Thanks, Richard, for a great, great ride. You've been loyal to all of us. Artists who have been out to update consciousness, God bless you always. God bless you, Nelson. What a dear friend. And I'll do one more. Yes. And I'll give it back to North. Um, Solar Warden uh, said, You're the best, You are the best, Richard. This show has been an absolute treat, and, we'll great, and we greatly thank you for everything. We love you, and we'll miss you on Zoomer. But we'll follow you every, uh, elsewhere. Oh, Solar Warden, another one of our stalwarts on the YouTube live chat who's been with us, and I neglected to mention Solar Warden. So thank you. And again, uh, North just announced earlier we, got, we are going to form a uh, or create a Discord service. Server, yeah. A Discord server for uh, all of you in the YouTube live chat so that you can get together whenever you'd like, and uh, I'll pop in once in a while. And, uh, you know, keep, keep uh, checking that YouTube live chat or that YouTube live... The YouTube channel. There's lots, uh, lots of content that's coming. One more. Do you have one? We have one more there. Sure. Uh, North. Yeah. Uh, Norma V says, once I started listening to Richard, I was the first one on chat, and Richard said, "Hello, Norma." I ran to my husband, and it was, and it was a big deal. My husband said, "Wow, it's silly." I know. That's not silly, and that's very. That's that's uh, so nice, Norma. That's my mother's name, so that's very special, Norma. Thank you. You you were the first. One more, North? Yeah. Uh, Nicholas also donated $5 to the chat. God bless you, Nicholas. And said, thank you, for, thank you for providing so much information, entertainment, and a place for a fantastic chat community throughout the years. Love you, Richard. Oh, God bless. God bless all of you. Uh, but again, not going away. Not going away. All right. Uh, we are going to roll into another break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you a little bit more 
about those uh, Soviet Navy divers who encountered these aquatic humanoids in Lake Baikal in southeastern Siberia 40 years ago. It remains uh, one of the most incredible mysteries in uh, the world of ufology. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show right after these. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. All right. The final show here on Zoomer Radio. And God bless you all for listening all, all over your, uh, all these many years and all of you in the YouTube live chat and all of you who are listening to the show on uh, all of the different affiliates and calling in and sending me letters and emails. And it's, uh, it's just enriched my life. Thank you so much. Uh, so this is for... Mr. Gary Prince, my grade A teacher, who's been after me in a nice way to talk about these Soviet divers back in 1982 who encountered these um, aquatic humanoids in Lake Baikal. Again, Lake Baikal, southeastern um, Siberia. It's thousands of meters deep. It's the deepest lake in the uh, in the world, and it is so deep that it it is uh, it, it, it holds one quarter of all of the fresh water in the world in this one lake. So these seven Soviet uh, scuba divers are in a training exercise in this icy lake, and uh, they're down about 160 feet or something like that, and they encounter these humanoids. Um, I'm not sure how many of them there were. The thing was, though, even though they were down that deep, these humanoids didn't have... Uh, equipment. They didn't have oxygen tanks. They just, no modern equipment. They just had sort of these tight-fitting metallic suits, and they had a helmet-like apparatus that completely covered their heads. And uh, so the scuba divers swam closer to these entities and and estimated them to be about 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall. And then then these these lake... uh, these entities disappeared back into the um, the murky abyss, I guess. And so then they pursued them. And they decided, these scuba divers, they were going to try and capture one. And um, uh, I guess, I don't know if they had a net or something. But as they moved towards these entities, and I guess in kind of an aggressive manner, um, these aliens, if you will, they um, they shot some sort of an intense. This is the, an account by these Soviet divers. They shot this intense sonar wave from these strange devices that they were holding, and it was such a powerful force that it, it that it rendered every crew member unconscious. And then what happened is they rapidly propelled to the surface. Now I don't know if you, Zachary and North, my two sons, with me. If you what happens if you are in an extreme depth and you rapidly ascend, what happens is you get something called the bends. Do you know about this? You get a nitrogen bubble in your bloodstream. So what happens is three of the, uh, the scuba divers um, were seriously injured, and I believe a couple of them died. And um, so this was all 
North? I was going to add that there's a Greek dance after that kind of thing, the Benz. The Benz? There's a Greek dance called oh, the yeah. Benz? There you go. Well, it's not called that, but it's based off of that. There you are. Wonderful. That was an interesting note. I thought. That was a very interesting side note. Thank you for <laughs> contributing. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That and it 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 remains a mystery. Uh, it is contained in in journals. Apparently, these were discovered after the fall of the Iron Curtain, and uh, that is the great mystery. Uh, and those that survived this uh, this ordeal, apparently, um, and they were apparently left with life debilitating or life-altering disabilities and and they just they they've never spoken publicly they were so frightened by the uh, by the ordeal so um there you go that is the um, but there's more to the story and I will cover it in a podcast I'll get um, I'll get an expert maybe Nick Pope or someone like that who manned the UFO disc desk for the Ministry of Defense in Great Britain for like 20 years and now is uh one of the world's most noted ufologists. Uh, let's see. North, did you want to go back to the YouTube live chat? Fire off a couple. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Okay, well, you're looking for one. I'm going to grab a quick call, okay? I'm going to say hi to Andrew in Colorado. Uh, here's another dear old friend. It's been a while since I've heard from you. Andrew, how Hello. are you? Hi, Andrew. Yes, Great to hear from you. It's awesome to hear from you, and we hear from you all the time down here. Wonderful. Um, I just wanted to say a couple things. I don't have very good audio, so I hope I'm coming through. You are, loud and clear. Tell the boys, I I wanted to tell them I love their podcast on the hockey. Oh, the the bro, uh, what was it called? Buds and Bros. Yeah. Yes. We were disappointed that they gave that up, but they moved on to other things. Look, I'm a busy (laughs) man. You are a busy Um, man. I, I also wanted to say thank you so much, Richard, for talks and conversations that you've given me, like when you explained milk in bags up there in Canada. That was so interesting. That's right. That's the, di- the main difference between America and the United States. Well, we have two different Thanksgivings. You buy your, your milk in jugs and we buy it in bags. And that's it. That's pretty much it. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're cousins. <laughs> Absolutely. How is your son doing, Andrew? How is your young son doing? I, I was just going to say, um, we ran across your show many years ago when we were uh, undergoing cancer treatment for yes. our son. Yes. And he is doing wonderful. And uh, you are a household name around our house. Oh. So, um, Callum wanted to say, hi, Richard. And he wanted to let you know that we got a dog from Santa last Christmas. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was the Discord server is awesome. Thank you. And at your eShop on Strange Planet, I was wondering if you're going to put out a T-shirt basically celebrating the last 13 years of this show. There's an idea. Well, I'll reach out to my my, um, artist friend, Rick Forgus, in Arizona, who takes care of all that, and maybe we can do something. That'd be a great, that's a great idea. Andrew, God bless you. God bless your son and your wife and your family and many years, and uh, uh, I'll look for you in the Discord. Whoops, you're breaking up now. Now you're breaking up. So sorry. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Uh, one more from the uh, the YouTube live chat, uh, yeah. North. Go Quick ahead. note. Um, 
every once in a while just to make sure the Discord's all set up, check the community tab. The link, the invite link will be in there. On in the, the YouTube. Tab, uh, on the YouTube channel, Strange okay, Planet. There you go. Good. Um, George says, did Richard ever have a guest whose story he thought was totally bogus? Probably. I can't mention or I can't think of any offhand. Um, what about the Titanic one? The Titanic one. Where, oh, the, the idea that they sank the Titanic in order to uh, t- to wipe out the uh, those millionaires that were opposed to the Federal Reserve. Uh, yeah, that's a little far-fetched. I mean, there's some interesting stories revolving around the Titanic and whether it was the Titanic uh, that actually sunk or another ship and it was an insurance fraud. There's, You know, that's kind of interesting. Um but, uh, yeah, you know, from time to time. Listen, you can appreciate this show on different levels. Some of it is merely for entertainment purposes. Some of it, uh, you know, some of the, the theories that people get into, has a, they have a lot of credibility. Some, not so much. But I always try and provide, a, you know, a, a respectful platform. People come on and they tell their story and I, and, uh, I ask, I hope, the, you know, the right questions. And then the listeners get to decide. Um, but... Uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to really think about it. I don't have any offhand. Um, I think there was someone who came on the show and, and claimed that the limo driver shot Kennedy. <laughs> no, seriously, that was that was floating around. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that. Nor do I believe that Bigfoot shot Kennedy. Yes, one more, North? Uh, Keenan K. just donated $5 in the YouTube live chat and says, Richard, can't wait to see the new content. My dad, Ray, and I always like listening. He has a question in regards to music. Top three favorite musicians. Top three. Wow, that's that's really tough, and they kind of move around a, a little bit. But I would say consistently in my top three, uh, we're talking about solo artists, right? Not, not all the above. Do it. Okay. Well, I would have to say Van Morrison. I would say Tom Waits. Um, I think. I think Randy Newman and Brian Wilson are two of the greatest composers of the, t- the, the latter half of the 20th century. Am I missing somebody? Paul McCartney. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sorry, the last well, two who? Randy Newman and um, who, who else did I say? Randy Newman and Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, but yeah, Paul McCartney, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else? Do we have one more from the YouTube live chat? Really quickly. Uh... Jane Tone says, Richard Serrett, I'm going to miss your show on Sundays, but we'll check out the other platforms. Thank you so very much for the many fascinating, indelible shows. Much love and light. Ah, thank you, Jane. Right back at you. Right back at you. I'm going to squeeze Ron in in Brantford because that's my hometown. Yeah. Ron in Brantford. How good, are you, Ron? Yeah. I'm well. How are you? Good, good. I am, too, a former Woodman Drive and PJ alumni. Ah. Did- and I know Gary Prince very well. Ah, wow. And he was an awesome, awesome teacher. And uh, I played all the sports there. Uh, do you remember that sport, pushball and he, flag football? Pushball. That, that is legendary. And, I th- and unless I know, I'm mistaken, yeah, I think that was his invention. Yeah, I know. We still talk about that day because before I came to women, I went to Echo Play School. Me too. Uh, yeah, and we went. I played in the Intermural Floor Hockey League there. And when we went to Woodman Drive for grades 6, 7, and 8, we were all upset because like we couldn't play floor hockey anymore. But then when Mr. Prince invented pushball, we just said, "Ah, okay, we're good." So, yes. Was, oh, I'm telling you, those were like legendary rivalries. You couldn't believe the trash talking we did there. It was awesome. <laughs> pushball at Woodman Drive. You see, 
He, uh, yeah. As adults, we're in the memory-making business, and, and, and Gary Prince created memories for generations. Oh, he sure did. He sure did. I, I see him this day. Like, he's had some health issues lately, but um, he's still trucking along, and uh, I seen them not too long ago, and, you know, he's uh. just... We still talk about things. He lo- he loves football, and we talk about that too, and everything. And whenever I tell my former students I see him, they all get excited. So uh, yes, yeah. yeah, and that, and uh, I also was in the. Um, I also played in the PJ alumni basketball game, the 50th anniversary one. I I played in that. The Thunderbirds. Yes, I played in that. Mr. Howard invited me to play. I I was on the basketball team, hmm. and quickly before I I get to a question. Uh, I volunteered for Rogers TV in Brantford. I did the sports uh, stories there for the local TV station. Right. And and I asked Mr. Howard if I could do the story on the basketball game, and I wasn't going to play. And But then uh, he said, well, there's a few people who hurt. Can you play? And I ended up playing. I was one of the leading scorers. There you go. The do you believe uh, that time travel will be reality to the public down the road? Like, as you can go... Use it as a vacationing thing, like you can go back to a certain era of time that you that you remember or whatever. Do you believe that could be a reality, or do you still think that's uh, kind of a private thing? No, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that we're intended to time travel. Uh, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, theoretically, I think it might be possible to send messages backward and forward in time, perhaps. Uh, like you could right. use it like an early warning system. Hey, there's going to be an earthquake. You know, in two years, prepare. Maybe that might be possible in hundreds of years from now. Uh, okay. But the, I think you would need. I think I read once you'd need the energy of uh, like the you know the universe or something or uh, or many 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 suns in order to to do that. Now you know there's that old uh, that old experiment they did with the two planes. One you know one flying with a clock. Uh, and um, then there was a clock on the ground. I think these were atomic clocks, and and uh, the clock in the in the air was moving, you know, nanoseconds slower. So it proving that it had traveled into the future like a nanosecond. I mean, yeah, that's been established. You can travel into the future a nanosecond. Traveling into the past, I think, would be, you know, another that'd be a sticky wicket to say the least. However, uh, you know, I. I'm not that well versed on the unified field theory, like people like Marshall Barnes. So, but my guess would be no, no, I don't think so. I would, I mean, you know, that it's a great bar game. Where would you go? What would you do if you could time travel? Uh, Ron, well, thank you. Great, uh, great catching up with you. It's uh, like yeah, old you, home Richard, week. All the best to you in your future, and uh, thank you, your likewise as well. All right, thank you, Ron. Bye bye. All right, over to uh, North on the YouTube live chat. What else do we have? So, uh, Andrew Boyle says, uh, question, will your sons go into broadcasting? Well, North, you've indicated that you're, uh, you, you might you might follow in your old man's footsteps, right? I would like to, yeah. Yeah, but you want to do sports broadcasting? Something like that, probably. Yeah. all right. And okay. then uh, Shelly Smith says, I've been listening to Richard since CFRB, and I was upset when they, when they shut him down. I'm upset now because I will miss the Sunday night show, but I understand. All right. Well, I'm still around. Just check out the podcast. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out the uh, Saga 960 show. I'm everywhere. And uh, George asks, do you think there's still a future for this type of program on AM radio in Canada? Thanks for the many wonderful years on Zoomer. You know, it's getting harder and harder. And that's why I have so much um, uh, gratitude to Moses Neimer, because he kept this show on the air. 
uh, when maybe others wouldn't uh, or wouldn't have even considered it. And so here I am 13 years later, and, uh, you know, that's largely thanks to him and his support. So it would be very a very tough sell now, I think, particularly not so much in the United States, but in Toronto, I think, and in, and in Canada in general. Yeah, it would be very difficult. It would be difficult. Oh, we lost the uh, the YouTube live chat. There, we're back. Or the um, the the video for the video. Okay, uh, I'm going to grab a quick call here, and it's Melanie in Toronto. Hello, Melanie. Richard. Hi there. Thank you so much for the great entertainment. Um, I predict, or how possible is it, that you will be the new future host of Coast to Coast, based on a station in Canada, or right directly you'll be moving to the States, or possibly on AM 740, if Moses knows his business, which he does. I believe that he should carry Coast to Coast with you as the Canadian host, maybe as many nights as you possibly can. Oh, that's very kind of you. Well, thank you for that. Blessings to you and your wonderful, intelligent sons and your wife and just the best of your career because you are a really imaginative man. I feel like I'm always in the forest by the fireplace and and you're there telling us a story and the shadows are flickering all around, you know, on the pines. That's that's the kind of feeling you've you've left with us. Oh, Melanie, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. And your kind words about Coast to Coast, listen, that being able to do Coast to Coast several times a month is uh, is a dream come true. Uh, it's, you know, I wish George Norrie a very long, healthy career and I know uh, he's going to be on the air for many, many years to come, God willing. And um, I'm just, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Uh, if at some point in the future things were to change and I, I could do more, uh, that would be wonderful too. But uh, but thank you so much for your for your kind words, Melanie. And you are a very gentle speaker. Some of the speakers for this kind of evening show are too harsh. They're not they're not gentle. They're very good, but they're not. Your voice is more of a gentle voice, which is more closer to George Norrie. Mm. So I believe you definitely should be given that position. Okay, thank you, Melanie. Okay. Well, you know it wouldn't be a final show without hearing one last time, at least on this show, uh, from the late, great Jim Mars, New York Times best-selling author. His book, uh, Ruled by Secrecy, um, I, I wore out one copy and then I bought another one and, and scrawled in the margins and broke the spine. And that's the way you should treat a book, actually, I believe. Just use it, wear it out, read it, reread it, and then go out and buy a new one. Uh, here's Jim Mars uh, talking about the, um, well, the secret history, the hidden history of the world. This is going back to June 8th, 2014, the late, great Jim Mars. Jim, one of the things as I was revisiting Rule by Secrecy, and I got to get myself a new copy because this one is pretty well uh, worn out, which is the way we should treat books. I don't like people who keep them in pristine. I write in the margins. I crack the spine. <laughs> use them up and then buy a new one. But um, I was reading the the, uh, the chapter that, that deals with Korea and uh, the Korean conflict and what is fascinating, uh, and you describe it so well, and I, I wonder if you could uh, uh, run it by us again, and that is how the Russians were actually prosecuting both sides of the war. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's true, and that uh, that really kind of blows me away um, because uh, 
you know, we, we always think, well, well, there's a war, you know, there's a side on one side. Um, but uh, the point is, is that uh, the uh, Korean War was run out of um, the United Nations. Uh, and as such, um, the, the, the office that was in charge of directing the Allied efforts uh, there in Korea was uh, headed by a Russian general. And um, the, I don't have his name right here at my... Uh, I think it was uh, Konstantin Zinchenko. There you go. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then at the same time, the uh, North Koreans uh, were being armed by the Russians and were kind of fighting uh, surrogates for the Chinese and the Russians. And they uh, they had Russian uh, commanders, general, a Russian general, that, uh, according to some reports, is the one that actually gave the orders to launch the attack into uh, South Korea. So you had this odd situation of two Russian generals fighting on opposite sides. But then again, it's really not that unusual once you study world history because what you find is is that a, uh, in World War I, for example, a, uh, a German banker... <laughs> Uh, came to the United States and uh, became the head of the Federal Reserve System and helped create uh, the uh, Paul Warburg, came and helped create the Federal Reserve System. Uh, and uh, at the time of World War One, he was head of the Federal Reserve and uh, as such was in charge of the war effort for the United States uh, in World War One. while at the same time his brother, Max Warburg uh, was uh, uh, very powerful within the German Central Bank and was also involved in German intelligence and was helping to run the war on the side of the Germans. Uh, and, of course, this, again, is nothing new. If you study the Rothschild banking dynasty, you find that uh, going back into the 1700s when uh, old man Meyer Rothschild sent his five sons out into the world, and uh, pretty soon they had become, uh, one was head of the uh, Bank of England, one was head of the Central Bank in France, and one in Germany, of course, and then Austria, and Italy. And they played those nations against each other for perpetual conflict, tension, and warfare, uh, you know, to uh, enrich themselves. Uh, it's really amazing. The same thing is even in our own the war between the states here in the uh, in this country on this continent, what we saw was, uh, and even uh, von Bismarck, the German chancellor, is quoted as saying that this was a war that was fomented by the Rothschilds, who supported the South, and at the same time supported the North, and a Rothschild agent, Dr. George Bickley created a secret society called the Knights of the Golden Circle. And uh, they, at one time, had thousands of members, and this was very instrumental in stirring up the passions and uh, creating the war between the states. John Wilkes Booth, the man who assassinated President Lincoln, was a member of the Knights of the Golden Circle. So you have these... Um, people throughout history who you don't usually hear about and you certainly aren't taught about this in your schools and yet they are the ones who uh, create wars and conflicts and shortages and depressions and and uh, 
financial market collapses and everything else. And uh, as you said earlier in the show, this is not just some conspiracy talk. These are historic facts. It's just that it's not usually presented to people. There you go, the late, great Jim Mars. Uh, Just on the email, a couple of quick um, emails from some listeners. Jim, who is a regular um, listener and corresponds frequently, he's down in the Carolinas. I think he's down in South Carolina. Richard, wow, last show on Zoomer, was a fan of our Gary Patterson. He he led me to some guy named Richard Serrett. Richard led me to Zoomer. Quite the trail there. Thanks for including Gary on the last show. Best regards, Jim. Thank you for that, Jim. And uh, Carol Turner. Uh, for the last 13 years, from the best, or for the last, sorry, for the 13 years from the best host on radio, oh gosh, in any country, you are gifted. I would also like to thank Ryan White and Carlos Kajina and your wonderful family who are so supportive. Rest up, Richard, because I have a feeling you're going to be called on to do even more hosting in your future. Cream floats to the top, you know. Cat Turner. Wow. God bless you. Thank you for that. Um, someone sent me. I got some wonderful mail, and, I, and I'm and i sorry that I I don't often do the show from the station anymore. So I had to come in to do the, the swan song, of course, and I checked my mail, and some of these have been in the, the mail bunk for a while, but someone sent me a gift card for Tim Hortons for $25. And uh, I'm sorry, but I, uh, I can't read the writing. It's Mr. and Mrs. George, I believe. Mr. and Mrs. George, God bless you. There was a lovely letter in there, uh, so thank you. And thank you for that gift. Uh, that's certainly wasn't necessary. Uh, someone sent me a poem, and it's uh, I think it's about time. Uh, well, they're saying Lord Byron, time traveler. Do you not hear? Can you not see? The dragons are singing in two-part harmony. One low, one high. One truth, one lie. One tear, one sigh. Good night, goodbye. The Marx Brothers meet the Trump. Oh, this isn't. Uh, this isn't Lord Byron, the time traveler. This, the Marx Brothers meet the Trumper, cut off his tie, then a cream pie, right in the face. Sherlock Holmes is on the case. The aliens land on the grassy knoll, have a drink, smoke a bowl, say a prayer to save our soul. Lord Byron, time traveler. Not the real Lord Byron, but thank you very much. Very clever. All right. Uh, North, what else? How are we going to end the show here? So... In the chat today, we have about a minute, so have to in the it. chat today, everybody is skeptical about your hair, Dad. They don't believe you're in your fifties, and then when you say that, they don't think it's real hair. So, I think the only proper way to do this is we need a wig test. So, I'm, I'm coming on camera for a second. What's a wig test? Oh, a wig test. What are you gonna do? Oh, okay. Yes, that's my real hair. That's it. I feel uncomfortable doing this. All right. <laughs> that's it. You think that satisfies everyone? It is not a wig. All right. He's not Donald Trump, guys. I am not Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's it. We're done. We're we're uh, we're closing the curtain. We're draw. We're uh, darkening the. Uh, sorry, turning down the lights, drawing the curtain. That's what I'm trying to say. Thirteen years on Zoomer. Twenty-two years late night radio. It's been a blast. Look for me. I'm still out there. I'm, I'm in a lot of places. And uh, God bless you all. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Ryan. What else can I say? But don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light. 
what you what you hear in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. One more time. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.